0: Good? Yeah, sure. All right. Say, say some words. Let look test
1: test one, two. This is TJ Fry
0: coming to you live. Los coming Angeles, California, All basically. Right. All right. Welcome to the Universe podcast. I don't know what episode this is because Jeff will drop it in whenever he wants to. He's currently <laughs> on vacation with his family uh driving in Audi Q7 across Virginia, uh, doing something over there. And so we are in a less comfortable space. We're in the TSC office. And this is Zach Clapman, uh, guest hosted with Jeff a couple times. You guys have heard me and uh, a co-host of the Smoking Tire Podcast. And with me today is TJ Fry. How's it going, everybody? Um, TJ's a good friend of mine. He's also a driving instructor. He's done some videos on Drive with Alex Roy. He just recently reviewed the Focus RS for Drive. Yes, um, I did. Pro-Am Drifter.
1: Yeah, that'd be fair to say. Is that fair? Yeah.
0: How would you describe yourself now that I've painted you in a couple boxes? Dashingly handsome. Um, True.
1: (laughs) No, I really – I would basically tick all the boxes. I'm a driving instructor for a multitude of different companies and schools all over the country, including Dirtfish, the Rally School in Washington, Ford Performance Racing School in Utah. Um, That's kind of how I spend most of my time, so I make my money is instructing. But uh, I love being in front of the camera and being a goofball, so that's kind of where I've – Pointed myself in the last couple of years trying to do more of that. So
0: yeah, I, th- I think I first met you on Rally North America. Yeah, that was the first time I met. I know Matt met you before that. Yeah, we Matt and I worked on uh season three of Bull Run, the
1: television show, when uh it was the Black Magic Cars or whatever mm-hmm. he was there with, and I was a PA on that set. So we met there and kind of hit it off because we were both loud and obnoxious,
0: and so we were like peas in a pod. Right yeah, off the bat. But, you're, uh, you're both loud. You're different instruments, I would say.
1: Like, yeah, he's more of a tool. But, <laughs>
0: no, but uh,
1: Matt's one of my favorite people, actually. Definitely one of my favorite car reviewers to watch. So,
0: yeah, no. I, when I met you around North America, like you were just very silly, like very outgoing and gregarious, and just you kind of knew everybody, and you're bouncing all over the place and taking photos and holding a GoPro up and doing like selfie <laughs> yeah. stuff, and and then you know, and Matt's over there like dropping car knowledge, and he's got like a gravel voice, and he's talking shit and, and whatnot, and you yeah. guys are just yeah.
1: Very, very, like you said, different, uh, different tools, but we're we're in the same bucket. But both tools, yeah, definitely. I, I, there's no argument here. Um, but yeah, I think you and I met on on Rally North America. Was that 2012 or 13, something like that? 13. I think. Yeah, and um, had a riot on those events. We've been doing those since their inception back in 2010, and uh, they're just a blast. They're charity road rallies. It's the guys wanted to do something similar to Gumball or Bull Run, but uh, without the outlandish entry fees and, and make it kind of a common man's rally and mm-hmm. also do it for charity. So they're real strict on, you know, speeding and poor
0: behavior and all that. So it's really, um, I don't know. I thought it was a really cool event. It's very real, something with exhaust GTR. Um, yeah, something fun. it's, it's very relaxed and the people are all laid back and, uh, it's like a scavenger hunt and you get to see, you know, a lot of really cool places in america and also some stuff you would never find on a map because you just wouldn't specifically google like i don't know native american ghost town outside of st louis right
1: yeah i've I've seen more of this country because of rally north america than than anything else i travel a lot i think i paid taxes in 36 states last year or something like that so i'm i'm on the road a lot but i'm usually in the large cities and this rally is kind of you know you get the starting line they hand you a checkpoint card and they go here find this and you have to get there before you get the next checkpoint card so it's more right. of a scavenger hunt like you said and that's been fun i've seen some crazy stuff i've been down in a salt mine in the middle of kansas you know i mean like i never ever would have done that they store old uh films there like the actual reels rolls of film down there cuz it's so dry and it doesn't uh, yeah crazy stuff like that right so there's there's you'll see all kinds of stuff on the rally but yeah you and i met there um obviously hit it off and uh the rest is history, as they say. So, yeah. The
0: rest is history, except for your wife. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. That gem. I of call a her female. Obstacle. That's what I call her. Obstacle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that might be a new nickname. I don't know. Uh, she's sitting over in the corner right now. She's,
0: yeah, she's gonna be on the on a different show in a minute. Um, so, we'll, I'll ask you more about uh, Rally North America and the focus. We'll sure. Do, we'll do the news real quick, and we'll follow Jeff. Copy format, that, because um, he's the boss. So. Grabbed a couple of things from the headlines. Um, the first one is that study finds that people don't care about the autonomous car crashes. Granted, there's only been, I think, a handful. Maybe the, only, the big one, of course, was the fatal crash in Florida. Yeah. Um, where The guy, I think, almost drove under a semi going well, 74 miles an hour. Wasn't that car not completely autonomous anyway?
1: Or it wasn't supposed
0: to be? It's. I mean, that's the thing that none of them are supposed to be. You right. know, the Tesla will drive itself, as Alex Roy has kind of proven, but you need to watch it and – You still have to be involved and pay attention.
1: right? Yeah, it's still a very new technology. and I'm actually really torn on the issue of self-driving cars because I love driving everything about it. I don't care what it is. Anything with a steering wheel or handlebars, I'm in. Um, But I also, after spending so much time instructing other people, you kind of come to realize how little the average driver really understands about driving. And so it's kind of terrifying to know that every time I get on the street, I'm surrounded by less than stellar drivers, shall we say, uh, to keep it fairly PC, but, uh, it's, so I, I love the concept of having the ability to do it. I'm kind of afraid of having someone tell me that I have to do it. Cause I feel like as soon as that comes, then we're going to lose our connection to the road, which I'm afraid of. But, uh, right now the fact of the matter is it's not, it's not ready. It's not available. So these people that are being stupid about it, as far as I'm concerned, that's uh, Darwinism weeding out the gene pool. But I do feel, yeah. you know, obviously feel bad for the families and everything. But I think you got to be, you have to understand it's just not an available technology yet. You still got to be involved as a driver. So
0: mm-hmm. it's got to be yeah. hard when you have that car, you know, say, say you have it for six months and, or well, it's only whatever, six months and every day you go to work and you hit the autonomous thing and it like cruises you on the highway and then you get off and then you just, you just get used to it. And, yeah, that's yeah, a good point. The more. It's almost like gambling. Like if you go and gamble your first time and you win, and the second time you win, you know, and you keep doing what you're like, I, I guess, and you just get more comfortable. Eventually, you know, you get in your comfort zone with something, and then that's when something goes wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's it's going to be a challenge. I think uh, you know, Elon Musk and and Tesla have done a really killer job making the uh, the electric car viable to begin with, and I think the autonomous thing is going to be a really interesting hurdle for them. I really, I think they're probably going to lead the charge on that, mm-hmm. if I'm honest, and and uh, they're going to have to work with all the legislation to begin with to make that even possible. But once they do that, and I'm sure they will successfully, once that's addressed, then you still have this massive hurdle of, okay, at what point do we say it's okay to just take a nap? yeah you know and and like is it really safe to do that and and are we gonna we're gonna have to change our whole perception as of as a society basically to accept the fact that the car is doing everything and are you comfortable with that Mm -hmm. so i think that's that's gonna be a pretty big hurdle and i'm
0: curious to see how we address that as a society but i think we'll that'll be a ways out we've had daniel on the show before and he's very up on the tech and the legalese and stuff and they kind of just threw the technology out there. They just started doing it, yeah. and it just – and it worked. sort of came overnight, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, it yeah. just like – There was uh, like that app
1: update or right. something for the car. They're like, by the way, your car drives itself now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're sipping your coffee. Like, what are like, what are you talking about? And then check the news. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They just downloaded it, and it used all the existing system Yeah. and then it works.
1: I mean I guess that article in the news that we're supposed to be talking about that we're kind of dragging on about – I would say that at the end of the day, like, do people care about those autonomous fatalities or crashes or what have you? Uh, I don't know. I haven't read the article, but in reality, I, I would say that I'm more concerned about the reduction in
0: incidents that that will inevitably bring than the few that it will cause in the interim. I think that would be the deciding thing. Is it's it's going to be? Elon's already proven that there's been less accidents per miles covered than there are when people are driving because right. people are flawed and distracted and whatnot no, speak so for yourself well yes he is arian oh god way, i'm gonna sound ridiculous white with blonde hair so of course he's perfect okay oh, um you know that it'll be a numbers game but then convincing yeah. the public that the numbers are real which is difficult uh, at yeah. times so that'll be the challenge um so there's no there's no plans moving on to uh the bugatti Chiron, the successor okay. of the veyron being a roadster and so my question for you you've gone very fast in a lot of things I never want like the car does 250 miles an hour like yeah. th- with the top off. You know, you put your hand up it's getting slammed into the back and probably coming off. I feel well, how do you feel about going fast in convertibles roadsters versus hard top?
1: First of all, if I'm honest, anything above about 150, I don't care about. It it's impressive. It is all engineering, but that is not something that most people should be doing in the first place. So, one of the reasons that I stopped filming, I have a background in film, right? The degree in film. And so that's kinda how I got started in this industry was filming events like Bull Run. And uh I'll just put it this way, just because you can afford a car that can do two hundred miles an hour or two fifty, whatever it may be, doesn't mean you have any business doing that as a driver, let alone on public streets. So to me, the proper thing to do would be to be it would be to limit vehicles like most of them are to like one fifty five. Um, you can still enough to have fun, but I don't know, a hard top versus a open top. I mean, if you're doing over 200, I don't care how good your roll cage is. And there's not one in that car. You're not walking away from it.
0: If the car flips over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So there's really, as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to be dumb enough to do it to begin with, like, okay, cool. Yeah. Take the top off, whatever you want to do. I don't care. It's a good point.
0: Yeah. If If, even if grass comes through that roof, when right. you flip <laughs> yeah. over, it's probably going to yeah. slice you up. Um, I just, I just prefer coupes in general. So for I, uh, I do I'm too. A little biased, but if I'm going, I mean, I went 180 in the in the Venom GT, riding shotgun with Matt, and I had no roof and just a yeah. roll bar. And it's just there's a lot more noise than if you have a roof and the windows up. Sure, you know that's the capsule is going fast, and in that case, it's you really sense how fast you're going, and it's yeah. just a lot more sense sensory uh, input. Um, moving on, Fly Miata released their first uh, LS powered Miata. Of the new was the ND. And it's 525 horsepower, 2600 pounds. Actually, gained weight <laughs> over the stock car, which uh, in the past they've lost weight with the LS engines. But because the you know the original 1.6 was so damn heavy, you put the yeah. aluminum LS, yeah. it's lighter. Uh, you know, roll cage suspension, blah blah blah. But the weight distribution is what I wanted to ask you about. It's 53:47. So. I guess finish your question. Yeah, it's, well, what, what do you, I think you know, about it? I say the optimal is 50-50 or did it, but I prefer a little more front because the rear angle. I, to I do around. too.
1: So I, as somebody that loves sliding cars, I mean, period, it doesn't matter if it's stage rally, hill climb, short course off-road, drifting. I don't care. I love sliding. That's my thing. Uh, I definitely prefer a rear-wheel drive platform with slightly less weight in the rear. So anywhere between 50-50 and, like, 55-45 seems to work out really, really well. Obviously, a lot of other factors come into play, um, power and wheelbase and overall weight and everything. But um, the Miata, especially the new one, is such a well-balanced car to begin with that I have no idea... I have no idea what it's going to feel like when you stuff that much power into it. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and they maintained a pretty solid balance, I think of weight, but because like you said, the V eight is, is heavier now cause they, their new engine is, is pretty well designed. Um, I don't know, man. I'm kind of curious to see how that one does. Now that being said, I mean, I've driven NA Miatas with V eights in them, uh, particularly yeah, tell that like, story yeah, all right. Off so... there, of course,
0: and it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. So, uh, A while back, a friend of mine had an NA Miata and put a 5.3 liter truck motor out of a Tahoe in it and, uh, you know, iron block. So it's heavy, but I have no idea what the weight balance was. I'm sure it was not ideal, but that thing got sideways very well. And, um, it was a blast to drive. It was a total blast T56. So it was a six speed transmission and everything. And it wasn't a gnarly, a gnarly motor. It was probably 400 horsepower to the wheels or so with a cam and heads and, basic bolt-ons but uh that thing was a blast and then he put two turbos on it it was about 600 horsepower little turbos and you could put it in f- sixth gear and go to pass somebody from like 45 and you just put the hammer down the turbos would spool and before you know it you're at 100 and in, in a heartbeat um that car was genuinely dangerous but it was one of those cars just put a smile on your face every time you even breathed on the gas pedal Um, That's so nuts.
0: That's so much power and so much torque. Oh, it's crazy. Such a short little car. Yeah,
1: you could rip the wheels off, you know, on the highway in fourth gear if you just hammered it and let the boost come up. It was
0: ridiculous. Was it a drift car for him or was it just a toy that was.
1: Uh, Well, it was a little both. You know, he came to a couple drift events and competed a little bit with it and uh, had some fun with it. Because Miatas,
0: from what I've seen, they're not campaigned a lot. Is, Is that because of the wheelbase? They're just, I mean, they're great at first and second gear. You know, real right. size, but I think the wheelbase is like ninety four inches. It's very it's pretty small in the old It's Toyota a small car, and
1: so they snap uh really aggressively when you transition. Um Tanny George is a perfect example of that. Uh did really, really well with his car uh in Formula D, especially with his his limited budget program, but it's still a Miata, which is is, like you said, a very short wheelbase. So it's a hard car to drift. And because of the front suspension, they weren't able to get nearly as much steering angle out of it and because it's a, you know, they're everywhere, but not a lot of people drift them. So there mm-hmm. wasn't nearly the development for the front suspension angle kits. Like there have been with the Nissan two forties or even the three hundred and fifty Zs or some of the other platforms. Um, I really do. <clears throat> I really like the Miata, but I don't think that it's ever going to be a super popular drift car. It just doesn't naturally make a great one. If mm-hmm. I'm honest, I mean, it's, it's fun, but it's just not a, the ideal wheelbase for a drift car is somewhere around a hundred inches. hmm and it's just a little too short of that. It's too unpredictable. Yeah. But, yeah, it
0: seems like the ones that at the pro pro level, pro am, they they you can tell they've lengthened them in some you know a little bit. Like they've tried to move, the, you know, the wheels apart. Uh, and I think when Mike Woodette ran the Solstice, which is like I, I saw it online, it's described almost like a square. It's very wide, but it's pretty short. Yeah, and he would you know you could see the back wheels were toward the back of the fender well. So he's stretching everything, trying to make it a little more stable. But.
1: Yeah, and I think FD has their rule. I don't. I can't speak for what Mike has done, but I know that they allow – FD allows uh, two inches movement, I believe now, in suspension pickup points. So that would allow you theoretically to move a not little enough, bit. Not enough, probably. Yeah, probably yeah. not enough, but, I mean, yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is his his four-rotor twin-turbo tur- ridiculous car. The I think it's the, the Mad Bull, or I don't mm-hmm. know. They're all Bulls. But, uh, yeah, I think that car is an NC Miata, the big one, the Tank. So, yeah. which, which I still don't consider a Miata, but, uh, you know, it's, it is, I guess. It's just,
0: he seems like he just is having a blast. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's good. He won. I think he won or got second when they did the FD event in Japan. Granted Forsberg and, uh, Von Gidden didn't go. So that frankly helps because those guys are right. You know, yeah, they're Von regulars. Won, like half a season. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he, Mad Mike takes it to Goodwood. He shows up to the you know the New Zealand um, Leadfoot Festival. Like he just goes to the stuff and drives hard, and and he likes that it's a four rotor. And he didn't put the you know the LS is the more reliable, torqueier block. It's like a better platform, right? But he's like, I don't care. You know,
1: yeah, he doesn't. He's got a partnership with. First of all, Red Bull's always been one of my dream partners to work mm-hmm. with. I just the way that company came into being their marketing is amazing and i just i love them so watching him work with them and let him work with him to do all these amazing projects that he has his his brain set on i mean the guy is unbelievable he he has his own print shop so he designs installs and does all of his own marketing and everything through his uh through his print shop in New Zealand, it's like all the cars that he's done, he's designed himself, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, so I have a lot of respect for that. But then to be able to put together some really wicked cars and do some neat things with them, yeah, it's pretty neat. He's stuck with the the rotary. I, admittedly, I'm not a big rotary fan. Me either but they sound awesome, and uh, you know he's done he's done some really cool stuff. So. People
0: get so mad at me when I say I don't like rotaries, and I just like it consumes a lot of oil, a lot of gas, doesn't make a lot of power. And yeah, the seals break, and then it's like, I I don't. That's why I don't like it.
1: I, I will go on record as saying that I find it amusing when rotary people get so upset that someone doesn't like rotaries. Uh, they're fun engines. They're awesome because they rev to the moon, you know, mm-hmm. and they are easy to rebuild. That's one of the biggest arguments I hear. Like, you know how easy it is to be rebuild one? Like, yeah, totally. But you know how nice it is to not have to rebuild one? Yeah. Uh, so I, the way I see it, they're fun. They're awesome. You like them. Do them great. There's nothing wrong with them by any means. They're They're, they're their own animal, so to speak. But uh, for me, I want the torque, and I want the displacement, and quite frankly, if rotaries really were better, I think everybody would be using them. Yeah. So I will leave that at that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, have fun. Do do different, you know? Right. Like That's what's fun about cars. Yeah. I, it's just when I say that, and, and Jeff even sometimes is like, well, why not? It's like I don't have to like the weird thing just because yeah. it's the weird thing. Yeah, exactly. You know? And uh, there's weird stuff I like, but in this case – it, I, I probably know, I just don't. made
1: a lot of enemies, but uh, you know, whatever. It's it is what it is.
0: No, I mean they, they're just they're they're light engines. They use them for helicopters sometimes. <laughs> but, super light, yeah. You know, it's it's just if I had to choose, I would choose a different platform. Um, all right, they built the last Ute in Australia. Uh, they built oh, no. the Ford finished. Oh, I will do that. They uh, they finished the last one. They've been building cars there. Well, the Ute's there since 1961, and they're actually just ending production there of all cars. Uh, this year, Ford is the all cars. Period. Or Ford all is going to stop producing cars in Australia oh, wow. at the end of the year. They've been there for 90 years. Hmm. Um, they're going to start selling Rangers there to replace the Ute. Which the new Ranger, the new I Ranger, Ranger, yeah, which, which is, is actually a truck. really
1: good looking truck. Yeah, we saw some in Thailand and we were blown away.
0: They're making them there, so that's why really? I saw them there. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, the the, I
1: hadn't seen. There. I didn't even know what they looked like. And we got married. My wife and I got married there in March and April earlier this year and uh yeah we saw them everywhere and i was like wow that's it's like a mini raptor it's totally mini raptor yeah yeah Yeah, it's pretty
0: cool little truck we we saw them in panama and someone had put raptor-ish wheels on it and it was it was black on black and it was like that's a really good looking front end yeah they're sweet little truck
1: as far as the Utes go i've always been a huge fan of Utes. the only thing we ever really had here was obviously the el camino um
0: ranchero don't forget well i guess that's
1: true i guess the only thing I ever really considered owning uh, along the Ute lines here, uh, but
0: well, why a, do you like Utes? Because I, I, I've never had one. I don't know why. What, what is? I I understand now after being in New Zealand and Australia. It's like okay, if you need to cover a lot of ground, you don't want to, You might not want to drive a pickup truck if you, all you need to do is haul a bunch of shit, but on tarmac. Yeah. It's really a pickup. Is a I mean, you have one. It's a it is a brick. Like that is one of the squares looking. Vehicles I do yeah. See. We
1: have a 2015 Chevy Duramax 2500 Crew Cab Long Bed. It's literally the longest truck that uh, that you can get from from the Chevy. It's it's ridiculous, but it's 20 feet nine inches long. <laughs> yeah, it's massive, and it does. It looks like a brick. It has the aerodynamics of a barn, mm-hmm. Um but. It also tows like you right. wouldn't believe. So that for us, you know, with the race car, that was the reason we went with it. Um, if I needed, if I could justify having a sports car with a bed, which is basically what a ute is, it's, I mean, that's perfect for me. That would, that would be awesome if I didn't
0: have to tow. So let's yeah. uh, like, so if you're haul- you know, hauling stuff in the bed, I mean, the thing with the bed is you can't lock it. Right. So we, we used to, we used to have the Raptor for a camera vehicle. And we, if we parked for dinner and we couldn't look at the truck, we had to move all the expensive stuff into the cab and then move it back. And, yeah, know, Matt was always worried we were going to tear the seat or something. So for you, it seems like like if the weight distribution was optimal, like fifty two forty eight, and then you could put drift tires in the back and bring them like that would be easy. But yeah. If you were doing other stuff, you're running errands, then you can't lock it in the bed unless you get like a cover. So that, that that's where I start getting to like. Why not a wagon or why this or that? You, you have to have a very specific yeah. set of,
1: of requirements. I like, uh, I like the idea of a ute, but I've never had one. And so I feel like I'm probably not qualified to, to discuss whether or not they're <laughs> worthwhile. But I do find it amusing that they're only really popular in
0: Australia. Yeah. It's like the only place they... yeah sell them but the market loves that stuff there
1: yeah so it's it's kind of a unique bastion of the automotive world like you really can't get them anywhere else you know Mm -hmm. and i would love to to have one and go over there and and play with them and see what they're all about but i feel like you need to have one for like a month to really get it you know um i've been working on my new zealand and i should say my aussie accent a little bit so maybe they'd let me get away with it
0: that's a good. Uh, yeah. I've
1: been working on that. No, and I you I use, really. Like, a little title. Yeah. The New Zealand wider. one. Oh God. We're going to get. Yeah. Uh, oh,
0: dude. Jeff and I do this all the time. Yeah. It's, I just do it probably way too much.
1: I, uh, I don't know. I, I love the concept of it. I really do. Especially like a, a big V8. You have no weight over the back wheels. Just rip the tires off anytime you want. I think it'd be awesome. But I think there's also a reason just kind of like we were talking about the rotaries. I think there's a reason they never really took off everywhere mm-hmm. you know uh so there's definitely good arguments for them but i don't know that i think i would want to have one just to have one and see what it was like i don't know i can't imagine it can't imagine that like my whole life i'd, I'd be like yeah let's go get another ute that's what i need right now like i always need that
0: uh, i mean it just know? depends on what you do for a living and yeah it really does i think america pickup trucks came out of we didn't have paved roads and then you had ranchers if we need some wheel travel we need we got mud going to the farm whatnot right it's a, it's a utility vehicle yeah. It's very utilitarian. God, they're not anymore. It's frickin' no, sofas they're with beds. They're, they're unreal. Most of the, you know, they tow on tarmac. I mean, yeah. There's not a lot of people driving. Even your the road to most of the random farms are like packed dirt. Yeah. Um
1: it's very accessible.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then, and now it's evolved probably into more of a an image thing. Even like even here at Huntington Beach, you'll see a lot of lifted pickup trucks. Oh yeah. They most of them don't go off road. There's no farms or anything, but it's just they exude an image that people like. Yeah, you know, it's a personality thing.
1: I will tell you, being from Montana and and living in the middle of the country, uh chicks really love lifted trucks way better than they like sports cars. True. I mean, I think the only reason girls like Ferraris and Lamborghinis and fancy Porsches and all that stuff is cuz of the money associated with it, but I think the truck is just like there's something visceral and manly about a truck that seems to attract girls. I don't, I don't, I don't see it, <laughs> yeah. but I, but I guess I get it. You know, well, it's
0: like if, if your job is banking versus you're a lumberjack or a blacksmith.
1: Or <laughs> yeah, you know, like you're more likely to be a sexy fireman type if you're driving a jacked up F one fifty than you are to be, you know, driving like a Prius.
0: Yeah, let's be honest. Well, I mean, that was obviously very big, but if you had. you know 997 porsche or something or if you have any sports car it's usually the the money value unless it's a cool you know curl girl that's a car nerd or something like that but the truck just exudes a different image yeah like
1: you don't have to know anything about trucks to know that it's jacked up and right wow that's cool that's a big tough thing yeah like man those tires are massive i bet that dude's hung like a horse or whatever you know i don't know (laughs) There's some sort of process that goes on. Uh, yeah, it's
0: probably a, a, those weird primal connections we have. Like they say yeah. that, you know, louder engines, especially deeper engines, yeah, connect more to our DNA than a high-strong six or four. And it's probably, you know, it could be uh, tribal drumming back in the day, like deeper sounds. Really? Longer, I never actually thought about that. A lot of stuff like that, that versus yeah. a higher-pitched sound, you know. So it, there's a lot of those weird things that probably are in our lizard brain. Our lizard brain, of. yeah. And it's like, I guess that's why I like Samsung instead of iPod. You know? <laughs> <laughs> something, something really weird, like deep in the deep in our DNA somewhere. Um, well, I don't know. You, I know you can buy you can buy a kit to convert GTOs to Utes, but it's very expensive.
1: And they do that Volkswagen that is it a Jetta conversion? I've seen the Jetta truck conversion. You can do a Jetta TDI into a pickup or that, into a Ute. I forget sense. the name of it, but there's a company out there that does it, and that might kind of make sense for an around-town rig, especially in a little diesel that gets like totally. 40, 50 miles a gallon. That'd be killer.
0: That'd be a great uh, race rig, because you've got torque, but efficiency. It'd yeah. probably tow decent. Yeah, like, tow a, a little knowledge. bit
1: anyway, you know? Yeah, I don't know. You could you could tow like a... Especially if that was actually your little race car, you could tow like a trailer with tires and everything on it if you wanted to. Just D- pick it around.
0: Did, did you see the video with Corbin, the guy that built the Zero Fucks Given RX-7? Oh, yeah, which is a, hilarious. He built a TDI the car. Way. He made it. He took a. they made a Jetta Mino and they cut the back off of Jetta. a Jetta. They made a bed separator. Yeah. And then they put <laughs> huge Corvette tires on the front and tiny skinnies in the back so they would oversteer. And I mean, you know, it was green. And Matt, we, Matt drove it on an episode of Tuned and it slid. Like it, yeah. it oversteered because it was just so imbalanced. I bet that thing was a trip. Yeah. Yeah. It was a wacky idea. But it was yeah, a well, fun I, idea. I feel
1: like that's his specialty. It is. You know, he's yeah.
0: got this Rolls Royce drift car he's building. He's been doing it for perfect two years at least. Using the original engine, putting turbos on it. You know, it's the only Rolls Royce that'll ever have a manual. I always
1: forget what's that kid's name? The the Corbin Goodwin. Corbin Goodwin. Yeah. So I, I obviously don't know him very well, but I've seen his cars and I can <laughs> I feel like he's the Magnus Walker of weird contraption cars you know what i mean like just cobbled together vehicles like he's he's just kind of got that image and that brand i want i'm curious to see where he goes he's
0: he's great he's a weird mad scientist that's a uh, good way to put it a mad scientist he doesn't drink he doesn't do anything he he just all his brain power is like engineering but then with this ridiculous sense of humor and does not (laughs) care what you know anyone thinks about what he's building and sometimes intentionally likes to you know mess with the public yeah. and put this on I that. want to meet um, him. Yeah. We need to make that happen. He lives uh, an hour north of here. Sweet. So we can totally make that happen. Yeah, we got to do that. Um, moving on to our last topic, the Rescue Assist. I know I briefed you on this, but oh, yeah. Mercedes, for people that don't know, um, Mercedes built an app called Rescue Assist. And the idea is it's uh, for first responders, firemen, um, EMTs. Basically, if you show up at the scene of an accident and you need to use Jaws of Life to cut a car apart, uh, if you want to know where the wires are in that car, where the fuel lines are, it works like Pokemon Go. So, uh, you would scan a QR code somewhere on the car. I think they're going to standardize it so it's behind the fuel door, and then the app will display, lay over. You know, you'll be, you'll step back. You have the, uh, the like the iPad facing the car with the camera, and then it will lay the schematic over the image of the car. And if even if you move the camera, you can zoom in so it'll show you where fuel lines are and fuel pump. Yeah, electric cars these big batteries that they they can't mess with. Um, Obviously, the good thing is they won't accidentally cut anything crucial, but how often are they cutting through the bottom of the car?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that happens periodically when a car is upside down, but I feel like you can see a lot of that stuff. I mean, Subarus are still some of the only cars that have their fuel lines routed inside the the fuel and brake lines routed inside the car. Mm-hmm. So for a Mercedes, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I've never been an emergency responder, so I don't know how how important that may or may not be, but my immediate response— is it feels like look at what we can do like how cool is this i don't know that there's really a practical application because we kind of talked about this earlier i feel like there's if the car is upside down you need to get somebody out what are you normally going to cut off you're going to cut off the roof right Mm -hmm. like i've seen the jaws of life i've I've been around them i know how they work you're going to cut the pillars and to my knowledge there's not generally fuel lines running through the pillars uh maybe in mercedes there's the potential of setting off an airbag. But if it's that bad of an accident, you need to cut it. Chances are they probably already went off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I can't, I really can't see many times that that would be necessary. And you're also talking about the extra time to figure that out. I mean, we're talking about, seconds that can be seconds and minutes that can be crucial to saving somebody's life so really is it is it worthwhile when you've got someone in the car that clearly needs your assistance you know are you going to put that on hold so that you can pull out an ipad and be like wait let me double check yeah that this fancy little tony stark apparatus is going to tell me that i can actually do this like jarvis is this cool
0: (laughs) i can cut here all right let's go ahead and do this so i don't know i guess i don't i don't really see it but it, I think we'd have to investigate it to see how many times uh, firemen cut through something and put themselves in danger or make you know make right. an error. It, it does seem like most of the time you're just cutting the pillars. Maybe as cars get more complicated, more electricity we were talking about, you know, napping and stuff. If they're going to have to run bigger wires through weird places um, before that's standardized, then it yeah. might be a concern. But it it does seem like a you know the Pokemon has the new technology or the, this AR technology. So what can we do with it? Yeah. What can we use, you know, marketing or, you know, or maybe, I mean, it, it's a, the idea is, uh, is beneficial to people. How often it'll get used. I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see where that goes. Cause I feel like it could be better. It could, it could be used eventually down the road pretty effectively, but mm-hmm. I don't think that having to scan a barcode, like take the time to find that
0: when you've got someone bleeding out in the car, you know, I don't know that. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I mean it would depend. On, I'm sure they'll adjust. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If They made a requirement every time you pull up, you have to do that. That would be stupid because of that situation. Um, and I understand the QR code is so you don't accidentally say, oh, it's a it's a C class, so everything's in the right place. It's like, well, if it's a C63 or versus a C300, yeah, so things might be slightly different. So that's why the QR code. But again, yeah. like, what if the gas what if the gas cap flew away? Yeah. What if whatever? What if it's on fire? What if, <laughs> you know if it's on fire? You're probably like, not going to cut anything anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a good point. Drags them out. All right, so we'll move on to what we have been doing lately. Okay, let's talk about Rally North America. I didn't go this yeah. year. Um, where'd you go? What'd you drive? Rally
1: North America. Uh, so this year, the 2016 event was the Big Sky Rally. Uh, Rally North America is near and dear to my heart. I've been with those guys since they were founded in 2010. And um, kind of like we talked about earlier, it's basically a charity road rally for the average day person. You know, it's a few hundred bucks to register for the event, which literally goes just to cover your vinyls and, and whatnot for the car. And then there's a minimum donation, usually like 100 or $200 to that year's charity. And, uh, you know, and then you book your own hotel rooms and, and you go on this rally for a pretty affordable price with a bunch of people that just are – you know, gearheads, petrolheads, whatever—they're just a bunch of good people doing something good and seeing the country and having fun, right? You already know that, which is mm-hmm. so everybody else. No, yeah. Uh, so this year was the Big Sky Rally, and this was really kind of an important one for uh, my wife, Danny, and I, because I've been trying to talk with the organizers for six years now to get them to come to Montana, and um, you know, which you is our there. home. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's where we live. Uh, I. I am a firm believer, obviously I'm biased, but I think we have some of the best driving roads in the country, if not North America, and potentially rival some of the best in the world. So finally got them to come out, and they're usually an East Coast organization, so we did most of our rallies out there. This year we went from Billings, Montana, to all the way through Yellowstone to Big Sky, Montana, then to Great Falls, Montana, and then to Kellogg, Idaho, and then Portland, Oregon. So it was a five-day rally. We raised $118,000 this year for uh, Camp Sunshine, which was awesome. So, uh, yeah, campsunshine.org, a really cool charity with kids. Anyway, I won't go into that too much. But basically, it was widely agreed upon with everybody that is a veteran of the rallies. I've done every single one since 2010. Everybody pretty much agreed this was the best one that they've done yet. So I was really, really excited to hear that people were were super pumped on our state. We went through all these different areas that even some that Danny and I hadn't even done yet. So we got to see beautiful parts of the Pacific Northwest and kind of where, where we call home. And everybody was just blown away. A lot of the people, like I said, are from out east. And so they'd never been on on crazy roads like this with, you know, 11,000 feet of, of elevation and, and just – beautiful mountains, you know, feels like Europe, feels like the Alps and it was really, really neat. We went through uh Yellowstone National Park, like I mentioned. Big Sky Montana's beautiful. Um stayed like literally at the resort Big Sky with Lone Peak in the background. And then uh gosh, saw the plains of Montana, stayed at Kellogg, which is another ski resort, has the uh has like an indoor water water park there, which was a lot of fun. Whoa. Um great yeah. cereal. Awesome cereal, really yeah. Awesome huge, cereal. huge fan of Kellogg's. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, it was really cool. Um, we had 77 cars this year, so almost, almost the full 80. We were actually booked with three people backed out last minute, so it was super fun. Um, we changed the format a couple days, so the first day where we went through Yellowstone and the third day where we went through Glacier National Park over going to the Sun Road, they got rid of the time element, and they're usually... There is a time element, so people kind of go fast, like 10-ish over. But if you get pulled over, you get disqualified, as you know. And so this year, what they did was they said, okay, you have 12 hours to do all this, so stop and smell the roses, which was the first time we did it. I pushed for that pretty hard, and they agreed that that was a good idea. And so basically, we went through, and it was still a scavenger hunt. You had to find stuff. It was like, take pictures in natural hot springs. And so we went around and found, like – five or six different hot springs for points and like hike to a glacier and get a picture on a real glacier, or like get pictures at, uh, waterfalls or get pictures of your vehicle in a tunnel and stuff like that. So, so. was it,
0: was it cause it, you know, the last time I did it, it was take a picture in front of this thing, take a picture in front of this thing. Right. Be- meaning, not a waterfall, this waterfall. Yeah, this, this specific this waterfall. More like get a glacier? Or? There
1: were – it depended on the area. So there were still the ones that you're talking about. Go to this monument and get a picture there. But the nice thing was instead of like the previous years, which were still awesome. You could see a lot of neat stuff. But if you're trying to compete, if you're trying to go for it, you get there, take a photo, jump back in the car, and, and bounce. Right. Uh, whereas if you're enjoying it, you take your time and you read everything. Well, this year, everybody on day one and three – there was no time so it was like oh let's stop and take a look at some of this stuff let's enjoy this let's read the you know that there was this amazing um monument to these miners that were unfortunately killed in this horrible accident several years like years and years ago in Idaho that I've driven by on I90 probably 50 times and I'd seen it but I had no idea what it was and I went down there and we stopped and I read the thing and and just you know it's amazing the stuff that you learn when you when you don't have to rush through it. So it was really neat to be able to stop and take pictures and see all this cool stuff. And then uh, Dan and I ended up because of her navigation; she killed it. We uh, we actually won. You get points for uh, finding different things, like each hot spring we found was worth four hundred points, and we found a bunch of them. Whoa. And so we, uh, yeah. Whereas like the checkpoints were worth. 300 or 250 each or 400 each or something they were all a little bit different and so we ended up winning there were like six or seven checkpoints and with all the bonus stuff that we found we won by like over a thousand points so that was all because of her and uh part of it was like find a You know, find get a picture with this animal. Get a picture with a wild ram and a mountain lion and a buffalo and whatever. Chasing
0: these things across the grass. Yeah, yeah,
1: mountain goats. And so some people got out and like hiked around and with like park rangers to take pictures with animals. Well, some of them said it had to be live, and some didn't say the word alive. So we found the ones that didn't say alive and went. We found like a a Wolverine that was stuffed and and went and took a picture with a Wolverine, which is worth a lot of points, you know? So we had a lot of fun doing it. Did you find a
0: taxidermy shop? or We
1: did. A- we literally yeah. went to Wallace, Idaho and found a taxidermy shop and took pictures. It was closed. So we're like through the window taking pictures of stuff. Smart. Um, yeah, it was a little bit of a loophole, if I'm honest. But some of that, uh, it really was the the hot springs that ended up winning the, the whole thing for us. But it was fun, man. It was a blast. We kind of missed that you guys weren't there, um, if I'm honest. I was a little bit offended. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was, it was so much fun.
0: You're just, I don't know. I just didn't want to hang out with you for that long i know yeah i don't for like five hours and that's that's good
1: how do you think my wife feels I, uh, I don't know how she, does <laughs> she didn't thing. want to hang out with me i don't think she it's wants to hang out with me at all no
0: we're too late to know it's Either too way. well Divorce i don't is know easy yeah. to say. There's, a <laughs> there's a website there's a website for that.
1: there's probably an app for that i was damn you beat me to that joke all right it's an easy joke but there really <laughs> probably
0: is i'm it, sure that's there is. So it's such a weird thing like help us speed you know speed your process speeddivorce.com Quick, like legal zoom. Yeah, legal it's, legal zoom. I mean, when I've done it, I think it's something that yeah, there's all these cool new small rallies popping up. When like you've gotten
1: like, divorced on a website, is that what you're talking
0: about? Oh no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I do that <laughs> so, the old school way. Yeah, you know, I'm, kind, yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. the hipster of divorce. I'm like, I like, like some people <laughs> like artisan bread or small batch whiskey. I like to do it with paper. Gotcha. Like to, you know, yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. It. It's really, really there's a nice feel to it. Exactly. It's
1: really the tones are so much warmer.
0: Got yeah, it. Yeah, you really have that eye contact and sign the paper like <laughs> aggressively. Uh, I think if if there's all these cool driving events like this and adventure drives where it's small yeah. groups of people. I mean, seventy seven isn't small, but I, when being on those rallies, it feels like everyone's got kind of a similar energy. There's no, yeah. there's no crazy pop bottles throwing vodka around. There's not a lot of. There's. I don't think there's it's any not idiots. a party event. It's not a party event, and yeah. it's also not twenty one year olds driving M3s like on the <laughs> yeah. shoulder, which I've <laughs> yeah. seen. It's just yeah. going to really cool places and there's some track days they drop in and you know yeah. and everyone's real friendly and you see a lot of a big variety of cars too. Oh yeah North America. We had
1: some crazy stuff. We've had um there's a guy named Doc on the rally that brings something different every year and, and last year I think he brought a um I don't know if it was a KTM X, expo- but I think it was a Polaris slingshot. Oh, wow. And uh, this year he brought this crazy little Nissan I'd never seen before. And, and it was they've only made like 2000 of them. I can't remember the name of it. Really, it was, like, limited to 62 miles an hour, 100 kilometers an hour. So he was just cruising uh, by himself. Like, just amazing little guy. He's brought in his Bentley, his V12 Mercedes. I mean, like – so there's always interesting stuff like that. And then you have the teams that, that fly in and, like, rent a car. Yeah. You know, or uh, – we did that one year. We did that last year. Yeah, that yellow Camaro yeah. that he rode with us in, um, which we returned with bald tires. And, um, yeah, there's, so there's people that do that. But this year, they kind of took the cake with that. There was a guy – there was a, a – group of i think eight guys that all dressed up like lumberjacks and they rented an rv wow and they were team jack and they all they raised a bunch of money for charity with between the eight of them and they all rode in the
0: rv is it uh car wash and, yeah yeah and it was yeah guys, it, was, right? it was those guys okay yeah. so those guys people may remember the story but they were fedex team fedex last year yeah and they they rented a no they bought like an they e- bought a van. van, yeah, just like printed. a surplus
1: van, and and got FedEx uniforms and like even packages. They bought yep. boxes and made like fake packages and put the Lots FedEx of- stickers on the side and everything. And then all the the van was white, obviously. And then on the side, all the the rally stickers were also white, so it blended in. So they would just fly that was their their plan and they would haul like way too fast if i'm honest
0: they'd park anywhere
1: yeah and they'd get away with it yep. and then and they were there was a really smart idea but because they were driving so aggressively the organizers actually kicked them out and, and basically said no well they didn't kick them out they disqualified right them. so they couldn't win anything but they still it was a brilliant idea there's stuff like that every year so they i think they won best costume last year or, or I think they did. I don't remember. They did.
0: They they were great. The first day we were there, they walk up behind Matt, and they're like, hey, will you sign for this? And he's like, yeah, uh, okay. Would it, what? And then he looks up and sees who it is. And I, I rode <laughs> them for a leg, and they were really fun, cool dudes. Yeah, and didn't it, they
1: have it, you on, like, a folding chair? That's all they that? had. They had a folding camping chair back,
0: <laughs> surrounded by packages. Like yeah. Had to be. It was a pile, like a foot deep of empty FedEx envelopes <laughs> and boxes and things. Yeah, those guys are and great, man. They were just super fun. We take corners, and I had to brace myself on the on the wall or the door. Yeah, you know, the we we had a good time. Um, but that's what's fun about it. You can do something weird like that, right? And you know, team lumberjack, whatever. You don't have to drive something fast if you don't want to. And everybody's still just super down for the jokes. Yeah. It's
1: time. it's a really great event. We like I said, we were bummed that you guys weren't there, but uh really, really enjoyed it this year. It was wonderful. Did, so oh,
0: did you bring your drift car to it?
1: We did, yeah. So we brought our drift car the hashtag skid demon, uh which That's I find nice. hilarious. If you if you if you search the skid demon hashtag, you'll find a bunch of stuff of our car and you'll also find where we got that from, which is like an old Instruction manual for scooters that is, I think, Japanese originally translated into English very poorly. Okay. Uh, That's funny. Look that up. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we dragged the Skid Demon with us and uh, in a trailer behind the truck, the very blocky truck that you noticed out there earlier. And Dragged it everywhere. You take the whole trip. We took the whole, yeah, the whole trip. Whoa. And then, uh, we at the racetracks and stuff, we'd pull it out and have some fun. We auctioned off a ride along at the auction the first night and, um, you know, gave that money obviously to charity. Um, the only time we didn't have it, we had another team, um, Hal and Therese, and they had another diesel truck with them and we couldn't, there was no way we could have gone over going to the sun road, which we always wanted to do. That's okay. the one in, um, Glacier national park. And so Hal said, "Well, why don't they have a 21 foot limit, and our truck by itself is like 20 feet 9 inches?" So they offered to take the trailer for us and the race car, and they took it for us around the bottom and uh, about the bottom of the park instead of going over the road.
0: That's awesome. So
1: yeah, it was killer. But that's the type of people in the rally that just bend over backwards to help each other. So yeah, we were really honored. We ended up winning day three, and which was that day, so we couldn't have done that without them. And then we ended up. uh we got nominated and we were chosen uh, for the spirit of the rally award, which is basically the people that best embody what the rally is about. And so that was a huge honor. Uh, we're really, really honored that. That was so nuts. We didn't expect it at all, um, but that was really cool, you know? And so that's the sort of, that's the sort of event it is, you know, people sticking their necks out for each other, having fun, but doing it relatively safely. And yeah, uh, yeah.
0: we didn't, we didn't see any weird shenanigans when we did it and, that's really rad. You guys yeah. did. I mean, you brought you brought entertainment. You brought a you know a thing to auction, and you you did the rally towing something. So it's not like I'm there my Porsche, and you're you're having a blast driving. It was almost like for the greater good. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll tow this this car. You can only drive at race tracks.
1: Yeah, we yeah. could have we could have brought something fun. We have our little S thirteen, um, two forty SX. It's four hundred horsepower and you know, we could have driven that or or rented a car, or gone with our buddy who had the SRT ten Viper truck. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like yeah, we we could have done that, but it was this was I don't know, it just kinda lined up, the stars aligned. We thought, well, why not? Let's take the race car, we'll drag it along, and we'll take it out of spots. We did we we pulled it out of the trailer at the starting line in Kennewick, Washington, on day five, I think, and the mayor, Mayor Young uh comes over and he goes hey you want to give me a ride I'm like oh yeah sure so he gets in older guy super nice he gets in i said hey well if you know with your permission you don't mind i do a burnout and he goes Go for it, man! And so I'm doing this huge burnout with the mayor next to me, that's and awesome. then I go and rip some donuts in on like on Main Street in Kennewick, Washington, with the mayor. I mean, that's the type of event this is. That's you know? so it's, rad! It's a blast. Yeah, it's so like you're not gonna fun. get a ticket
0: because he's sitting there because it's the mayor. Yeah, I
1: get out of the car and he goes, "Oh yeah, that officer's got your ticket over there." Yeah, I'm like, "Oh come it's on!" Easy, but no, yeah. he was totally joking. It was it was a really really awesome experience.
0: Is that car registered or street legal at all? No, it's race car uh
1: race. no, it's a fully built race car. But that being said, um. If we wanted to register it in Montana, we right. probably could find a way to do that. Right now, it would just need blinkers. It's got headlights, you know, taillights. It runs, obviously. It's so, I mean, wipers we, we talked like about that. this
0: at length when I was looking at 240s, but the criteria in Montana is like, does it have all, you know, bumpers, lights? That horn, yes. Yeah. Okay. Front fine. and rear, head,
1: front and rear uh, uh, license plates is all you really need, and and so yeah, we could totally register it and drive it up there, but it's so loud and yeah. so obnoxious. There's no way we'd get away with it, and honestly, I've we've all done some less than legal, maybe questionable things with our cars over the years. You know, I mean, I'm not innocent of that, and I feel like now that I have so many great partners you know companies that i'm working with i really want to represent them as well as i can oh, yeah. so i don't want to drive around i want to see like the dark horse customs clutch masters s14 pulled over on the side of the road you know in totally. front of a cop car like that wouldn't look good so well
0: you're also not going to get to enjoy that car on the street without doing i mean it's a drift car <laughs> yeah. you know I, I just wrote yesterday yeah. i rode with matt in an e46 uh bmw with that has an ls it's a full yeah it runs um he runs top drift out here, which is like an amateur series. They at yeah. Willow.
1: That was Charlie, right? Or the guy? No, the guy. Andrew. Sorry, not, when you said runs top drift of things. Oh, yeah. sorry. He he competes he competes in, top in it. Drift. Gotcha.
0: Um, really nicely built car, set up perfect. I went for a ride with Matt, and it was just like, yeah, the car's doing all the things you expect the drift yeah. to do. It was it was like Corey Hosford's car, but down a notch because that was like 800 horsepower FD. Yeah, and. But you know that's only fun if you're doing that. If you're drive, you're not gonna yeah. drive it to work and drive it to the drive-through. Oh, it's you, so loud the whole time. You'll be itching to do the you know the thing, and you can't yeah. shouldn't. So it
1: basically won't let you drive responsibly, and especially because our our car it's actually not massively powerful. It's only 411 foot pounds to the rear wheels, so about 500 at the crank or so is a, is a fair estimate. But it's there's a lot of street cars that have more power than that. But we have a four speed dog box out of an old. Uh, sprint cup car Mm -hmm. and you put it in gear and it just it's a dog box it just engages it's like boom it slams and the whole car shutters when you put it in gear just dog
0: box no synchros
1: Yeah, correct. No synchro. So basically, you know, there's no lockout either. So like, you know how it's difficult to get into first when you're moving, Mm -hmm. there's no lockout like that. So if I go from fourth and I miss third and go to first, like it'll go to first, you have to be, yeah. So you have to be careful. Um, it's, uh, it's wild. It's just everything about it is there's nothing that was put into that car for comfort. It is all built for speed. And so driving on the street is just – it's ridiculous. There's no way I'd be able to get away with it.
0: It's so awesome. Maybe for parades and stuff. Do you stuff. have to service a dog box more often than and, you know, something with synchros?
1: Yeah, you do. I mean it all depends on how much you shift and how – you can actually shift it without the clutch. Mm-hmm. Um which you know that's cool, but it's also really hard on everything. Yeah. So I generally shift with the clutch anyway because it's not that difficult to do it without, unless I absolutely have to. You know, like clutchless upshift and and just stay in the throttle sort mm-hmm. of thing. But uh, for the most part, yeah, I just shift with the clutch and try to take it easy on the thing. But yeah, rebuilds for that are about a thousand dollars plus shipping. Woo. Yeah, so the
0: transmissions are complicated. Man. Yeah, like if you not
1: something you want to do yourself.
0: No, I'll I could rebuild an engine. With some research, depending on the engine, like, but I, I could, I could under, I understand how the pieces work, right? Because I've I did it once on an old car, transmission though, and I've seen like, you know, the the table laid out at a transmission shop and all the gears, and I just look at it and like, that's like, that's like the biggest watch in the world, but it's way more important. <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. I've rebuilt a couple of SR20 transmissions. um It's not
1: as bad as you think it would be, but quickly you find out that. You need a manual to walk you through it and you mm-hmm. need clearances and you need the right parts and you need the right tools to pull everything apart and blah, blah, blah. It's definitely something that at this point in my career, I'm kind of like, cool, well, you're good at that. You do that and I'll just right. pay you. Yeah. So if you can afford to have somebody rebuild a training
0: for you, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. It's, but, it, that's why shops are like, we do only transmissions. Yeah. We're not everything because we don't need to be. Yeah, definitely. hard and a specific job there's enough work for it yeah um well, let's get to the uh you know you went to the uk to, oh, go, yeah. to do a thing we'll, we'll end on this, this to review a awesome. think for drive uh what'd you do
1: so we we went over to review the focus rs in the 2016 and uh i will say immediately that i had a blast doing it so i went over with uh you know jf from drive and um, Krister and will the film guys that work with NBC sports as well on that program. That was a, it was a right, really small crew. Good crew went up to Rockingham motor speedway or whatever it was called up in the UK. Mm-hmm. It was actually the only oval track in the UK. They built it to try and bring NASCAR over and American style circuit, uh, circle racing over to the UK. Never really took off, but, um, it's, a pretty cool facility of a little road course on the inside. So we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, the UK, I'd never been to Europe at all, actually. And so that was totally new for me, but to see how different everything is over there, uh, like little things, like obviously driving on the right side of the car was weird for me. I'd Hmm. never done that. And now I'm shifting with my left hand. So the number of times that I made like little mistakes was astronomical. Yeah. picked it up pretty quick, but it was challenging. Um, but the little things over there, like the fact that everybody knows motorsports, everybody there knows motorsports. It's like here, football, you know, you hear the name like John Elway and everybody's like, oh, yeah, football. OK, whatever. Right. You know, classics, Michael Michael Jordan, you know, everybody knows who he is. Um, over there, they're like, yeah, Lewis Hamilton. Cool. Yeah. All right. Even if I'm not into sports, I know that name. You know what I mean? And in the U.S., it's not like that. Totally. So that was really cool. And we went to uh, – we got to review that car, and we went up to the Aston Martin area. I got to see the Red Bull Racing building. Like, that whole trip was just bonkers, man. Really, really fortunate to have been able to do that. Uh, as far as the focus goes, um, everybody loves that little car. Uh, I like it.
0: <laughs> um, you know, I don't
1: want to give away the whole review or anything, but uh, it basically... My biggest complaint with the car is just the, the price tag. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a very good little car, but I think that the fact of the matter is, if you get any of the option packages with it, it's very quickly a forty
0: thousand dollar Ford Focus. Yeah, which you can buy. Well, let's let's talk know, about that because you know, like a like an STI is a forty thousand dollar car nowadays. Yeah, when I bought one, thirty two. In 07, I bought one new. It was 32. Yeah. And then now they're 40. Yeah. And so – and Evos are less. They're faster, but they're worse in every other way except for the racing you know, drive. Well, and cars. they're not
1: around anymore. They're it's also not around making anymore. Them, so that's yeah. a
0: problem. So like – so Golf R is a 40000 So all – yeah. like if you want an all-wheel drive performance vehicle nowadays, it's 40000 bucks. Yeah. And I think obviously inflation has something to do with it and prices just kind of steadily creep up. But something I've, I talked about with Matt regarding the Camaro SS Convertible Outside that we're reviewing this week is, is the driving experience worth the price tag? You know, to me, that the the Camaro is not because yeah. I'm just not a convertible person. Yeah. So fifty grand for that is not $50,000 of driving experience. But so for you, um, I'm a little bit of a unique opinion in this area because,
1: you know, I spend a lot of time at Dirt Fish Instructing in the STIs. And uh, in legitimate rally cars, and then that's kind of I think the world that this is is going for since the Evo isn't around anymore. Um, right off the bat, no, it's not worth the money. I think it's a great little car, I really do. But the thing is, if you look at if you look at it, and a Focus by itself is eighteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right ish. Obviously, you can get options and stuff and change that, but that's literally half of the price of the RS. And so, yeah, you get all-wheel drive, you get 350 horsepower, um, you get the pops and the burbles when you shift. It's, It's fun as hell, actually, but it's just so much money to sit in a cockpit and go, I'm in a Focus. You can see the paint through the doors. Like when you close the doors, the edge of the the door jams, you can see what color the car is. And I feel like the only thing they really did to make it feel special was put blue stitching all over the place, which does change it a little, makes it feel a little special. But like the gauge pod, because when I'm working at Ford in Utah, at the Ford Performance Racing School, we have the STs up there. It's the same gauge pod yes. from the ST. It's the same everything except really like the seats. I know Mac got the nice seats, which I don't think I had. I think I had like the racing ones or whatever. I think he's got the the comfortable ones. But mm-hmm. um, other than like the seats and the stitching, it's a focus. It doesn't feel like like you get in a Golf R and it's a really really it's a it's a Volkswagen. It's a comfortable car. Everything's kind of put where it should be, and it feels it feels worth the money to me. Even though I wouldn't necessarily buy one um this just feels like a really hopped up cheap car inside and that's just my opinion i'll leave it at that but it's uh it is fun to drive i think drift mode needs some work if they actually want to you know claim that it's like driftable because it's definitely not yeah you
0: talked about that earlier which is great the inconsistencies in the software yeah and i think you should you know we could talk about that a little because sure all the press launch stuff with, that we read from caswell and the other guys that got sent there um the the track they had set up at the launch was you know a circle, so it's basically okay, journalist. Here's your circle. Put it into, fire truck, um, and just you know drift mode. Add gas, and it's just going to rotate out, and then you're going to go in that circle. But what if? you know, what you experience, you're gonna expand that circle, you're going to, or you're gonna Right. Maybe it's not a circle, it's gonna be a decreasing radius corner. Like, you know, how how did the car react?
1: Drift mode to me is a marketing gimmick that the department the marketing department came forward and said, like, what if we do this? Like this could be really cool. Let's do this. I
0: Hey boys drifting. The word is really big. Right
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh it was it was fun, don't get me wrong. It's a really fun little car. And um Drift mode, I think it's awesome that it's there because it's, it, number one, it kind of validates the sport of drifting to begin with, I think, because it's like, okay, this is now spilling over into the rest of the car community, which is awesome for me because that's my passion. But as far as the way that it does it, that rear end is actually entirely electronic. And, again, this is all my understanding. But it basically sends 70% of the power of the rear wheels uh, when you tell it to. Now, the problem is it's not consistent. So, basically, what will happen is if you – The computer looks for all these different parameters. It reads uh, steering angle input. It reads throttle position. It reads obviously what mode it's in. has yaw sensors. Um, It's got like all kinds of data that it's acquiring simultaneously. And it looks for this pretty broad range of parameters to say, okay, the driver is trying to slide this car. And then it goes, cool, let's do this. And it fires all the power that it can to the back to spin the rear wheels and send the back out and oversteer it. Don't get me wrong. That's awesome. And I love it, but
0: but it has to check all those things first. Yeah, it has to check the boxes. If it's not doing it instantly, like I'm sure the computer's very fast, but it's got to check all the boxes. It is, and, and the an thing outlier, is, it's, it won't do
1: it because it's not a there's not a like a line in the sand of where it says, okay, you're trying to get sideways. If it was like, all right, the steering has to be full lock, and you add the gas, and as soon as you hit this much power or the, or this much. Uh, you know, RPM 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 or whatever in this gear, like then boom, we're sending the power back. It's not a line in the sand. It's, it's this broad range of parameters that it has to be within. So as soon as it feels that it's in there, the computer might one time, if as a driver, you give it the exact same inputs. And at one point it might say, okay, how about now I'll send the power to the back and it kicks out and it's nice and smooth. And then the very next time the guys, you know, JF was asking me to do a slide. And the very next time I do the same thing and the car would go, I'm not ready yet. Okay, now I'll kick all the power to the back. And so it was really inconsistent. As far as like putting a car on a dime as a driver and Mm -hmm. putting it exactly where I want it, you cannot do it with the drift mode. Um, And also, you know, 350 horsepower and all-wheel drive in third gear, some of the slides you'll see on that video were mostly me just throwing the car sideways and the drift mode kind of letting me keep it there. But it didn't really have the power to do like massive slides all over the course, you know, but I mean, understandably.
0: You need. A, I mean, we t- of course you need a ton of power to to spin all four wheels at, at, three, <laughs> yeah. at third gear. But yeah. I think the the c- consistency thing comes to back to Subaru because I you know I had Subaru you drive Subarus you have the e, the E diff or the C diff I think they call it so a- could, yeah the active could, center diff right yeah, so yeah. you could you could manually control it and like roll it back so depending on the year of the car sending a certain percentage back to the back but that felt much more concrete it was like well yeah because we it didn't really percentage.
1: change right and this this is. Uh cool but this is kind of like you're you're there's now a computer in there and i know the subarus uh have some computers going on in there but it basically for all intents and purposes is sending the same amount of power to the back all the time whereas you can feel it if you if you've driven those those uh drift like events or whatever that ford has put on you turn the wheel you hit the gas it starts understeering because all the weight goes to the back and then all of a sudden Boom, the power goes back, Mm -hmm. and then the back end kicks out. So you can feel the moment that it does it, but that moment when it decides to send the power to the rear wheels is really inconsistent. And so if they could get that consistent, I I think it would actually be a really, really fun car from a driving perspective. Um, The other thing that, you know, it's still in drift mode, so whenever you add counter steering, it goes – okay, I'm going to shut you down. Yeah. Like you don't want to be in the slide anymore. You're done.
0: Oh, you want it's like, Oh, you want to go that way. Okay. Yeah, cool. But, we're
1: going to go that way. And then it starts breaking wheels and and getting everything, you know, back in line for you. So, um, you can, you can tell that it's still a system very much designed and Ford is proud of this. And they should be, it's a system designed to help the layman that, that wants to play around in a parking lot and, and not break stuff and not make stupid mistakes. It's there for that person. And that's awesome. I'm really pumped on that from a, professional driving standpoint level it's just not there yet and that's okay it's not a race car and that was kind of the thing that I had to sort of put in the back of my mind going okay this isn't a race car right you know so I
0: think it's a good for me I've watched Subaru for the last 12 years up until the 15 not do enough to evolve you know the Evo was real fast from the get-go and then got slightly faster and kind of left the STI behind until recently when they stiffened up the chassis like the car got changed a lot in in the last the last iteration and yeah. then it seems like Ford with the Fiestas and the other things kind of raised the bar in some ways not in all ways of course but it's like well maybe maybe the fact that there's another competitor in this market as Mitsubishi leaves you know the Golf R like you said nicer car for sure i mean that's that's like an Audi wearing a Volkswagen badge feels right. like 40 grand, you know, put snows on it. You could you could I, you could own that car for 10 years and as your life career you know evolves, like it'll it will still work. Yeah. And it will make sense for a very long time. Whereas the STI is either like you're a racer or you really like snow driving or you're just a little bit more playful juvenile, you know, person.
1: Yeah, or um, you love vape pens.
0: Or you love, or you love vape pens. <laughs> that's more of a used Subaru yeah, thing. Yeah, that's probably um, true. Which that's the joke going around. But it's it's our old intern Kyle loves vape pens and had a used WX two point five swap that was rough. Perfect. Um, yeah, but I think it's, so. I think it's good that Ford is entering this market. I do too. It needs a little yeah. bit of a kick. Hoping,
1: yeah, hoping it can sort of you know re-energize that segment because it is a segment that's near and dear to my heart. That was my first. Uh, not my first car, but that was my first big, you know, foray into motorsports it was with my 06 WRX. And, um, had a blast with that car. That was my baby. So uh, I can. I, I feel like I'm allowed to poke fun at Subaru owners, if I'm honest, because I was that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had. I painted my wall World Rally Blue and had the Subaru logo on the wall. That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, I do it. I had the whole nine yards. Like I thought it was the coolest thing since sliced bread and the boxer motor and like yeah, symmetrical uh, wheel drive. Like I was that guy. Um, and then ultimately, I realized there's more to. Motorsports and I can experience a lot of different things. Um, So I need to branch out a little bit. And I did. I'm very glad that I did. But Subaru is kind of what got me into cars. I initially started out with a Jeep and I was off roading and all that. So I have a lot of love for Subaru, the brand and everything. But I I feel like I can give them a hard time because I've been there. Yeah. Uh, So, but yeah, overall, the segment has been struggling a little bit. And I think that's largely because the STI hasn't really changed very much since 2004. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, there's been changes to it, but it hasn't, it's the same car for all intents and purposes.
0: That that was a big, like, yeah. the new one, I drove a Laguna Seca and I immediately was like, this is, this is kind of what it should have been. Well, it's always easy to say that, but whatever. The chassis was much stiffer. The turning was better, all that. Right. It used to be pretty understeery, but still, the engine, same power. You know, everything yeah. else, you know, you've got uh, Chrysler minivans with basically the same horsepower as the STI had in 04 and then also had in 2013, and you're like, you know, the Camrys are catching you. It's not hard to add power to a turbo engine. Yeah. I know you there's a ceiling to the Subaru engines, of course, but you, you wanted to see a little more. But so maybe it'll maybe it'll give it a kick in I, the butt. I think it will. And I think now that Subaru
1: has all of well not all of, but a lot of the Toyota technology from their partnership on the BRZ and the FRS. Mm-hmm. Um I think now that they have all that, like the F A twenty, the new motor, I believe is what it is, in the WRX, seems to be a really solid motor. The EJ is literally a 30 year old engine and while it's been worked on and upgraded in that time it's i mean imagine what cell phones looked like 30 years ago you know they were in a briefcase literally so that engine is just tired it's it needs to be retired and fortunately they're doing that and i think when the sti gets the fa20 motor and gets upgraded and has all the new fancy stuff on it with the toyota technology that's when i think we'll see the sti become a real contender again hope so
0: yeah and they need they need to get their design. Design language needs to not be done by 40 different people. That's different stuff. <laughs> hey. Um well, We're going to end it, everybody. That was uh, TJ Fry in this episode of Hooniverse Podcast. Uh, Glucker should be back. In the following week, talking about uh, his Q7 trip and probably the other 30 cars he's driven and uh, taking his daughter for rides and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um, he's got a newborn, and her first car was a Hellcat that she rode in. That's so, fantastic. So she'll be spoiled forever.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Um, that was great. Where should people find you? Uh, well, you can find me online, tjdrives.com, or basically social media, any of them, at TJ Drives. Yeah,
0: it's awesome. Pretty and easy if they find. go to driving school, where, where should Oh
1: gosh, I'm all over Ford all, Performance all, Driving yeah. School. Ford Performance Driving School in uh, basically outside of Salt Lake at Utah Motorsports Campus. Uh, the Dirtfish Rally School in Snoqualmie, Washington, are the two main ones that I'm at right now. And I kind of moonlight all over the country, so uh, I may be in your neck of the woods.
0: I'll be dancing in Florida on Sunday. <laughs> hey, it's um, possible. I gotta go Dirtfish. I, I've. I yes, to do that. you I, do. I'm gonna make that a happen. Rally school. Really? Well, I did the firm for like a day, but I need to do more of it. So it's, it's fun, man. Definitely come up and we'll make
1: it happen. But yeah. thank you for having me on. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to make this happen again.
0: Awesome. All right, everybody. We will uh, see you next week. Cheers.